Welcome to another episode of Reptile Fight Club. Uh, I'm Justin Julander, and with me as always, Chuck Poland. Hello. Hello. We are coming to you live from southern Arizona, where we are herping for the weekend, the long weekend, and uh, we've got some special guests in the car with us. So, um, Steve Sharp, one of our oldest and dearest friends. Steve, welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I was really glad that Steve was uh, able to come on the herb trip. I, uh, I I mentioned that I was coming down here, and he's like, "Hey, I might be able to make that." I said, "That sounds really good." And, and then, then finally, she- let it slip that Steve was coming on a herb trip that I wasn't invited on. And as you all heard, I invited myself, and here I am. So, when in doubt, bust your way in. Yeah, yeah. Steve picked up Chuck on his way down, and. Man, he, he got up at like 4.30 in the morning and, and drove pretty much... Two. Oh, two in the morning. Yeah. 1.30 in the morning, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And, and drove straight down, picked up Chuck, and then uh, and then drove down over to Arizona. Um, and uh, we met up. So I flew down and was picked up by our fourth guest here, or our fourth person, second guest, whatever, <laughs> Dustin Gron. <laughs> Dustin, what's up? How you guys doing? <laughs> and you uh, will probably remember Dustin from Morelia Python's radio, where he did an interview there. But it's his first time on our podcast, so we're happy to have him here. And um, I met Dustin, uh, let's see, a, what a year, two year, year and a half ago or something. Uh, went on the Herp trip with the NPR crew down to um, Tucson area and. Dustin showed us around and went out herping with us a day or two, and then in June we did another trip down here, and we we uh, Dustin went on the whole trip with us, so that's been really cool to get to know him, and I I really enjoy his herping style. I think all of us in the car have a pretty similar herping style, yeah. and and uh, we're out here just uh, getting it done, finding lots of stuff. <laughs> it's been really a, a good trip so far, so. Um, Let's see what's what's the highlight of the trip so far, Dustin. Uh, definitely price eye. <laughs> uh, I would agree. Yeah. And and that one was found. Uh, the first one was found by the uh, by Chuck. By the resident rookie. Yeah. That, that's <laughs> the a, resident. I rookie. feel like a, that's a good way to pull your weight on on the trip. So <laughs> I'm 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 happy I could uh, help help Dustin out and uh, find that. Yeah. Uh, that was that was super sweet. Yeah, it was pretty super funny because. Chuck, Chuck heard it, and yeah. uh, Dustin's like, "Oh, I hear that." And he looked down; it's right between his feet. So, yeah, a little uh, uh, skid. It was a small one, and you know, it's a small species anyway. But, yeah, yeah, just kind of coiled up right between his feet. So, um, little was, rattlers are yeah. a little quiet. Yeah, a little, a little hard to hear, but that was pretty cool. So that was a, a lifer for Dustin and for me and Chuck. Yes, <laughs> Steve was the only one that's found those Steve before. Was- this is begrudgingly unimpressed. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He was, he was, he was very happy. <laughs> so yeah, it's. Uh, but we've we've had a really good trip and yeah. found a lot of good stuff. So I don't know what's your highlight, Steve. Uh, I don't know. I mean, getting to see a wheeler die, even though we didn't find it ourselves, that was pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, yesterday and today we knocked out all three of the montane species yeah. um, except the wheeler die, as Steve mentioned, was a bit of a cheat. Um, there was uh, one of Dustin's friends was herping in the area, and uh, he found it, so he alerted it to us, and we got to t- check that out, you know, see yep. that. So, yeah. Showed, but, showed us his Willardy. <laughs> his Willardy. Thank you, Nipper. 
Um, we told so Dustin pronounces it Will Will Artie as well, and we told him he could only pronounce it that way if he did it in an English accent because it sounds so proper. It's correct. With That's the correct. crumpets. Yes. We need Eric here to do his wonderful <laughs> his Nipper his impersonation. Nipper, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Nipper just, he, he said it was just spot on. Spot. Perfect, perfect English accent. It makes him buzz. <laughs> yeah. Makes him muzz and, and buzz. Yeah. <laughs> buzz and muzz. The buzz and muzz combo. But yeah, I, I think uh, definitely the price I was a highlight. Yeah. Um, we actually saw two of them uh, in this not too far from each other so same area um which was yeah really cool um the other highlight for me i think was that really there was a really uh contrasty uh, blosis black-tailed rattlesnake yeah, that so was really it was nice. a really beautiful snake yeah. that was fun um new another new species there we've seen a couple of species uh, yeah. uh, that night the hooded night snake or not the hooded it's uh yeah, undescribed hooded. species oh yeah it, well, hooded nice name. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't have a species name at this time, I guess, according to the second edition of the Reptiles of Arizona book. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a cool fun. Steve found that on a little uh, pee break. <laughs> he oh, you found that. I know that was the one you found. Oh, the night snake. Yeah. yeah. Night. Oh, that was the tantilla. Steve found the tantilla yeah, on the pee break. Yeah, 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 that was, yeah. Cool. That was nice, really cool. Nice to knock out the uh, the little fossil oreo. Yeah, yeah, they're always kind of, it's hard to plan for those. But yeah, Steve found a Tantilla uh, Yaki, yeah, Yaki uh, black headed snake. So cool stuff. Um, so yeah, we've we've uh, added a few new ticks to the list. Uh, I One of mine uh, kind of favorite ones was the Colorado River Toad. I hadn't seen those in the wild, so that was really cool to see uh, Colorado River Toads. And we saw many of them. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I think these, these guys got a little impatient because I kept wanting to stop and take pictures of all of them, but they're just really cool, big uh, toads. Um, I tried to keep Chuck from licking them, man. He just wanted to lick every one of them. I heard they, they, that, that they make <laughs> you high, so I wanted to find out if that was true. Please do not do that at home. We were just joking. Yes. You do not get high by licking toads, even though Homer Simpson told you it, that's happened. All right. Well, um, I don't know. I might, this, this second take is not as good as the first take. No, definitely not. <laughs> we recorded like 15 minutes, and it was like uh, it was it, crap. It was coming through the front uh, microphone, so you couldn't hear us talking. We were blabbing the whole time. But um, Steve's a, Steve's been on the a toad uh, liquor now. Yeah, I know. Uh, so I guess today we're going to talk about conventional herper wisdom. If that is a, a good thing to follow. Or if you should kind of go against the grains, go against conventional herper wisdom. Um, a few things kind of uh, put that in my mind. One of the things is uh, the giant ball in the sky is shining brightly. There's a full moon tonight. I didn't plan the trip very well because there's a full moon. But um, if, if you think such things, yeah, matter. exactly. And but we found lots of great stuff, so that's yeah. been really fun. Um, <clears throat> so. I was also, you know, going back to the Shine Book, I keep blabbing on about the Shine Book, but uh, he was talking about uh, the fact that you couldn't necessarily apply research from North American and European reptile species to Australian species, that they had some different things, you know, different environment, different conditions. Life was a little more harsh in, in Australia than it is in 
you know, more, uh, easygoing places in Europe and North America. So, uh, that was kind of a big, uh, part of that book or a big point of that book is to, you know, show how, how important his research was in regards to Australian reptiles. So, and, uh, yeah, I think he, he makes a good point of that. Um, but I, th- I think there were also some things where I said, ah, you know, there's, there's a lot of similarities between Australian species and species that we find out here in the West, in the, in the desert, you know, areas of Arizona and, uh, Utah. So, um, that was kind of something I thought, ah, let's chat about that. And we are coming up to a checkpoint. So I don't know how interruptive this will be. We usually fly kind of fly through these pretty quick. Um, but yeah, well, they won't see the illegals that we have hidden under all oh our gear. Oh my gosh, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Say that. Yeah, no. They probably have microphones on. This guy's uh, like, come on, dude. It, it says 15, but... Well, that thing's telling me I'm going like 55. <laughs> <laughs> That's not correct. Okay, we're going to pause for a minute. How's it going, Thank you, too. All right, we flew right through. We passed with shining color, with uh, flying colors, shining colors. Uh, I don't think the colors. Despite the jinx that you put on us with that. I know, I know. But all right, well, uh, let's talk about conventional herper wisdom. Um, You want to flip a coin? Should we divide down the middle of the car? You and Steve versus me and Dustin. Yeah, I need a light. Oh yeah. Um, All right. Okay. Don't. Yeah. you want to let Fine, me you do it. Fine. <laughs> You're going to drop this the is thing. The, this is the point where I make okay. the we'll argument let, uh, that Justin is a control freak. <laughs> we'll let Dustin call it since he's uh, this is his first time on Wait the Wait a minute. You can't flip the coin. Now I did call it. it. And you did it. Ah, crap. It is heads. What? Chuck wins. <laughs> Chuck and Steve win. <laughs> All right. So, All right. Uh, what, what side do you want to take there, boys? We, are we gonna continue with our? Yeah. Okay. okay. We'll take the we'll take the the con side, or the. You or can the, go against conventional yes, herper wisdom that, that, and still have that, lots of great success. That that conventional herper wisdom is all bollocks. All right, you're on, man. Maybe all not bollocks. All bollocks. Oh, not all, maybe not all bollocks. Stat sig, man. Stat sig. All right. Uh, do you wanna? go first or uh no you guys go oh first. big surprise yeah chuck deferring listen I, i'm trying new things here all right not really but um. <laughs> okay. okay so we're gonna go dust and i are gonna go with uh following conventional herper wisdom can be a good thing lead to success um and you know i think there's definitely lots of instances i think this trip is is has some of those instances <laughs> as a part of it you know we're down here during the monsoon we've seen quite a what's that i'm talking to him oh <laughs> seen quite uh, we're, we're, we've seen quite a diversity of species and we are exiting soon so uh dustin is uh navigating but <laughs> we've seen a great diversity and i think you know having the rains come on um we also saw that in june because we were there for one of the early rain events and that night that, that it rained a bit we saw more, you know, that night than we'd seen up to that point. So it was a really productive night with a coral snake and a black-tailed rattlesnake and then uh, Mojave. What else? Banded gecko. What else? Atrox. Atrox. Yeah, that was a good night. 
that was a good night. <laughs> that wasn't the same night as the Beardus, though, right? We saw that the previous night. Um, yeah, that was the first night. Yeah, so... Um, I, I don't know. I mean, if you're if you're hitting southern Arizona, you probably want to go during some part of the monsoon season, and, and that can uh, extend, you know, for a few months. So we're here kind of more at the tail end, would you say, of the, yeah, the monsoon? Stuff's starting to slow down a little bit, but, I mean, we're still getting the rains, and with the rains usually come the animals. Yeah, and I don't know if the last few years been very good as far as uh, rain and, and moisture. So last year was pretty good. We got a really good monsoon last year, and I was definitely seeing more animals. Um, the year, a couple years before, were pretty dry. We were in a drought for uh, a few years, and things were a little tough. There was some some slow nights out there, but I mean, you you, you definitely still saw animals out. Yeah, but but as as far as numbers go, probably not. A little less, yeah. Yeah, a little less, and and that kind of goes along with uh, Shine's research as far as uh, you know the. Uh, rains, rainy seasons, and and the boon and bust in regards to prey species. If the prey species are doing well, then the then the animals are going to do well, and it's a little little harder to uh, make a living if there's not enough moisture or water, you know. So the prey species usually decline in bad years, and and then the predators follow, which is is very straightforward logic. So. If you're going to come down to southern Arizona, you probably want to come when the rains are good and there's plenty of uh, prey species and the uh, snakes are doing great. So I think we'd lead off with that one. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I that's that's solid. I, I mean, I think, you know. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, sure. <laughs> no, the, I mean, the, the yeah, the wetter, the wetter period or, or the... The, the greater accentuation of, of the monsoonal season definitely makes stuff move more. But uh, these 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 reptiles still have to do, uh, still have to eat, still have to do what they do, even though it is a little bit drier. And, and uh, just because you're not, you know, just because you're not getting that really wet monsoonal season and you're not going to see tons of animals because that's statistically what you see, it doesn't mean that you won't have a good night uh, and see uh, a diversity of things. Or, or something that that you didn't expect to see, um, you know. I think bottom line is if you, but if you were to say, ah, well, it's been kind of a mild monsoonal season, and you don't go out, then you're absolutely not going to find anything. So um, you have to get out. You have to look, uh, and you know, not every night's going to be a great night, uh, but you know, by and large, I think the the more you look, the 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 more you and and you know you don't if you're not out there you don't understand the behavior that's happening so if if you're finding things maybe you're finding them under different conditions uh and maybe those conditions uh are are keys for you or or alter the way that you uh do herping uh based on maybe monsoonal seasonal moisture okay yeah I, i mean i uh of course that you can still find stuff when when conditions aren't optimal and who, who's to say what optimal conditions are yeah you know? um that's kind of a a tricky thing so well speaking of optimal we're trying to find the optimal road to turn on so we can get to our the place where we're gonna do some road cruising but uh so we've got uh, dustin steve a little preoccupied in the front seat <laughs> trying to figure out where we're going Oh, what kind of toad? I don't know. It's very small. We're going to go look at a toad. 
Um, yeah, speaking of moisture, you're probably not going to see a lot of amphibians if it's not very uh, no, yeah. Yeah. wet out. Most definitely will not. Yeah. Yeah. Where do they hide out when there's... Okay. What do we, got? What do we have here, gentlemen's? All right. A pause for species identification. Mexican spadefoot. Mexican spadefoot. Do you want to pull it off the road? Oh, Ah, crap. There's a car coming the other way, too. It's going to get it. It's going to get it. Bummer. That's the downside of uh, road cruising. It's you're going to see. Oh, I missed it. Oh, good. Is a car coming? Chuck, it does it on its own. It does not do it on its own. You child protected it for me. No, I didn't. This is a common, uh, common thing. Oh, there goes the coin. But um, this is a, a fun thing when the the doors lock and they don't unlock automatically or something. Is that another one up there? You see that little? Is that a rock? What, what, were, what was the rebuttal? What were we, what were we um, rebuttaling? I, I, I think the. The, the fact that you could find stuff if there wasn't. Oh, it's a couch eye. We got a. No, let's check them out. Um, we've got a couch eye and a, and a Mexican spade foot. That's pretty cool. Couch eye are a beautiful amphibian. They're really cool. It's actually dimorphic. Yeah. Pretty easy to tell apart. Uh, look at that cute little thing. He's a, oh. <laughs> oh, wait. That's a. Is that a couch eye as well? Uh, hold on. They look very similar. <laughs> you think? No, yeah, those are cool. <laughs> couch eye. Yeah. yeah okay, so two couches, spade foots. Yeah, oh, they're so pretty. They look pretty young, too. Like, yeah, they do. They get a little bigger than that. The car. East in Texas. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. All right, let's go. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, you, you may find things... Well, we, we they I guess they need to hear us to, to make a good rebuttal, but um, no, 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 let's just okay. Yeah, all right. Oh man, that's the fun of of road cruising. You gotta, yeah, you gotta. <laughs> I, I think it's better just to let it, oh, <laughs> let it roll. But you got pee on your hands now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Let me see some of Steve's horrible hand sanitizer. Oh, that stuff. Go. Yeah, smells like a. Dirty old tire, <laughs> tire fire. Like <laughs> <Russia>. <laughs> okay, so, so, uh, yeah, you can find stuff when when conditions aren't great, but I would argue that the number is definitely increased when numbers won't be there. Yeah, yeah sure. and, and certain species won't be there. But at this, I guess you know, to your to your point, you might see species that don't normally come out at, at uh, you know. In, in different conditions so sure. maybe some prefer to come out when it's a little harder or, or that brings them out or that drives them out and they're out more often because it's harder to find resources. yeah so yeah i guess that's a that's something to your point there but another toad there's a car behind us oh okay i'm letting them go by all right letting them pass don't hit any snakes is this super busy no, the not usually. Is what we're about to take oh, yeah. okay. So we're not to the road yet. All right. Now that's a, I I think uh, Herper or con, er, conventional wisdom is a lot of times like I I think another point or if we can start a new point here. Yeah, Do you want to roll up your window? Oh yeah. Sorry, um, sorry. is that you know 
places to find stuff, right? A lot of people try to hide their um, places where they can, where they find. Uh, there are those all toads. All, yeah, they're all over the road. Weaving toads. But uh, you know where to where to find things. You know we have a lot of cool uh, um, advances these days. You know we have iNaturalist or things where we can see where records are are. Uh, but it seems like a lot of times when you go out herping, there's crowds like last night we pulled into a spot oh and went to went to go looking for uh certain snakes and there was like three cars that pulled it made the turn off right in front of us so it was like we had to follow these three cars and we were just hoping they were going to the campground that was down the road but of course they went right to the spot and they were out there uh you know herping in the in the night and and I guess we don't know for sure if it was them because it may not have been them. But um, when we went to look at some of the artificial covers on the board lines, there was uh, stuff out of place or flipped in the wrong and not replaced. Not put back, yeah. Not put yeah. back correctly. So, um, you know, if you're going to the same spot as everybody else, you're going to have those issues. You're going to have problems. But at the same time, it's it's because there's stuff there. Yeah, you know? yeah. we did. I mean... Granted, there was three other cars there, but we were probably the only people to find snakes that night. Yeah. 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 And that just goes to show that these places are so well-known, but you can, you should go there because you're going to find these snakes. Like yeah. They're, they're well-known for a reason. Yeah. yeah. I think the last several times we've been there, we've found something, you yeah. know. Yeah. And, we went, and, I mean, I think also, you know, talking about how people maybe not aren't less forthcoming about uh, giving up the spots that they herp. That's yeah. why, because you have people who come in there and just fuck shit up and don't respect the the board lines or, or the spot, and um, you know it's not uh, it's not a it's not a, a shared resource unless it's uh, well taken care of. So yeah, um, yeah, that was it. Okay, you can see Hedgehogs on this road, long guys on this road. He lives once we get a little more into the foothills. Okay. I think you know again to maybe more to your to your side of the the argument is that uh, um, if a spot is well known, it can actually lead to the destruction of the spot because like one of the areas we went to is well known for uh, pyros, uh, uh, the mountain king snakes back in the day, but they're very difficult to find these days yeah. because people went there because it was a known spot and they over collected and so now they're very difficult to find there. Hey man, you're helping out Chuck's son. Oh, I know. Sorry. Okay, so um, I need the help. It's all right, Dustin. He has to do this, <laughs> otherwise there'd be no show. Uh, yeah, the Kumbaya, yeah. the Reptile yeah. Kumbaya Club. Um, that and Steve's not participating right now. So oh, Steve's not. Nice. I'm giving a hard yeah. time. Just Steve, stop. Let me. Try me. I have trying. a role to play. Just let it happen. <laughs> All right. Well, um, what what do you got, Dusty? You got any uh, points for our side? Following conventional wisdom. Um, I mean, I guess we kind of touched on conditions being right. We go on temperatures. Temperatures. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Don't necessarily want to go out in the uh, middle of the day when it's 110 degrees out, but <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna find too much then. Even like diurnal lizards are kind of scarce yeah. when it's that hot. And I think, you know, there's, there's certain, there's definitely certain 
governing factors where when you hit those upper temperatures one upper limits for temperature when it just becomes too dry when it just you know becomes too wet um you know there's there's those hard limits that when you hit those yes you're gonna suck but but there's a lot in the in the middle and so I feel like there's you know uh I don't want to say like microclimates almost to where you know um not every area or you know the area you're in if you say oh the the conditions here are uh, such so it's not worth going out maybe there's maybe there's something to that you you have, from your experience can kind of say all right based on what's here i would guess this area is like this maybe it's not not the best um, maybe there's something to that, but unless you really go out there and, and uh, know what's what's happening at that moment, um, it's it's hard to you know it, that's a that's a, a hard thing to say. It's it's not worth to do or or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I think for the most part, if you're gonna go out herping, you're gonna find generally uh, speaking, you're gonna find stuff more in the spring and in the fall. Um, than in the middle of summer and the middle of winter, you know, and yeah. it, but, it, but also it depends on the species you're looking for. So you need to know, uh, of course the area you're going to, uh, the species you're looking for kind of their natural history, because, um, some species might be found more readily in the dry season or in the, you know, in the winter time. Like, uh, I think, uh, green tree pythons, man, like Matt Somerville and a few others went up to, iron range and found like 20 green tree pythons you know they're just everywhere it seems and uh, other times of the year you go up there and you may be lucky to see you know one or two so um if you're if you're kind of going in the right time of the year uh, for that species you're gonna probably have better luck finding them is that to say that you're not gonna see any on the wrong time of the year no, and, and maybe that's okay to just see one or two rather than see 20 but I don't know it's kind of fun to stop repeatedly for something rather than just uh, once and I think a lot of it's probabilities right you're by by going at the right time of the year you're increasing your probability by going at the right temperatures or the right factors you're increasing your probability statsig so, statsig stat yeah yeah so um, you know but but there's there's a lot in the margins for that. Uh, and so, you know, what is perfect conditions? Uh, are you capturing, you know, are you capturing what those conditions are? What, what causes species to move some things? Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe there's factors that you're missing. Uh, maybe there's, you know, uh, you know, maybe there's predator predation things happening that you're not capturing. So I, I think, you know, sometimes you just got to get out there and do, and, and if you have a, uh, you know, you have a slow night, you have a slow night, but, um, maybe there's something to be gleaned, um, by going out in a time that, uh, you, you, you may think that, uh, things won't happen for you or whatever. Yeah. And I, I think that maybe more, more applies to, uh, people who live in a certain area, like, Oh, snake, snake. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to, all right, um, Aatrox safely removed out of the road. <laughs> he was uh, not going to sit still for no. pictures, but uh, really nice-looking animal. So, mm -hmm. All right, Dustin's got a, a good point. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people will say that you only, that you only find like a specific species in like a specific habitat, but... Oh, that's a cow. <laughs> uh, 
A lot of these animals are, are, are generalists and they're gonna take they're gonna take advantage of any opportunity opportunity that they can. Like uh, some some of the species we found this trip were supposed to be somewhere where they weren't. Like take the alligator lizard for example. Yeah. That's a montane generally a montane lizard and we found that in a pretty low desert. Now oh yeah. Um, I mean there's choya and mesquite trees and yuccas and the occasional oak, but yeah, <laughs> really cool habitat to see that animal in. Yeah, yeah, where you wouldn't expect it. And we also uh, we we met up with uh, Bob App, uh, Bob, App- <laughs> Bob, Bob, Bob Ashley at the uh, Chiricahua Desert Museum and and got to chat with him for a bit. He showed us around. Really cool guy. But um, we we were he was telling us a spot where you could find a certain species that were like really they're out there and so we're like okay now we need to go back there and look for those uh, but uh so, you know places you wouldn't expect them um and so i think um i don't know this again might go back to your guys' side and maybe i let you guys talk instead of bringing up a point for you but um yeah i think uh going to where you're what well, now you made that point for them. I definitely did. I didn't realize it, but <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but you. if you go up in the mountains, you're gonna find more alligator lizards. Yeah, that's that's for sure. <laughs> if you're headed to the desert to look for alligator lizards, you're probably not gonna find many of them. But <laughs> all right, way to way to turn that around. Dustin. Definitely, <laughs> definitely some seriously displaced alligator lizards. <laughs> Steve, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I think um, you just don't want to to limit yourself based on other people's experiences or opinions because a lot of that is sometimes people just say things based on things that they've been told by other people so um, that's something else to keep in mind as well when you're making decisions about where to go Um, I think the best thing to do is just study things out yourself and learn that animal's natural history and where it's most likely to be found Um, but range extensions happen all the time you know and we find things in places that we wouldn't think they would be um you know it's like we were talking about the the alligator lizard that was found in the the last little bit of um of sonoran desert that kind of creeps into that area that little section of new mexico and um yeah there's juniper trees there's live oaks those are things that alligator lizards are associated with you know with leaf litter and um, it makes sense that that lizard was there, but at the same time, we were none of us were expecting to see that lizard there. So um, it's kind of cool to find um, find those things. And you know, it wasn't necessarily a range extension or something that was like publishable, but um, at the same time, just l- learning where things are and learning terrain. Um, that's something Chuck and I have been talking quite a bit about. You know, making mental notes of when you find an animal like what 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 were the conditions when you found it um what what was it doing was it under something what was how hot was it outside you know like kind of trying to create those mental benchmarks in your head if you're new to herping um are important because um even knowing how a lizard looks like if you go and look at a field guide look at the pictures of the animals look at how they're shaped that puts a picture in your head um, for things that could be difficult to spot. Otherwise, you have at least the, you know, what the what the animal really looks like. Um, you might not have that exact phenotype, but you'll at least have a general idea of what you're looking for. What it looks um, like on the road. What it looks yeah, like in exactly. Stadium. How it moves. Yeah. How it, at, like when you see it dart away. How 
where it went when it darted away. So all of those things are important benchmarks to create in your head um, if, if herping is something that you want to really invest a lot of time and energy into. Um, if you're just kind of walking lack, lackadaisically through the through the desert, not paying attention to what's going on around you, you'll miss a lot of stuff. I mean, and I feel like I'm kind of a rookie compared to you guys as far as herping, but I mean, w- would you say that, that, you know, a lot of your experience with herping comes from seeing it, knowing where it is, and having that mental note so that it become after you do it over and over, it becomes an automatic thing and you, you can almost call out what you're seeing or you know where t- to find things because you've had that recurring experience and, and your your repertoire of of how to find it is 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 uh, much deeper, you know, and 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 ever changing, right? This is a the, 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 you know environments are dynamic things. They're always changing, so you know, trying trying to find stuff in maybe areas that are similar but not the same that that were close to where you know, but maybe it isn't uh, somewhere where you've heard. Um, I think that that can be of benefit, and if you you don't find it, then okay, maybe it's not working. Maybe I try a different time. Maybe try a different uh, you know temperature you know try try different factors and then when you find it you say aha okay maybe this is something do it again do it again if you keep finding it maybe there's something to that you're you know you're increasing your statistical probabilities through repetition stat sig stat sig but i I would also say that if you're gonna um you're usually not uh building from the ground up usually you start herping on conventional wisdom you know you're going out with somebody who knows kind of how to find stuff and you're kind of learning from them and seeing like okay this is this is how i herp and this is when i go out and usually people who have seen most everything they kind of get that idea and kind of know when to when to go out and when the most productive times would be to go out and find it and you know when i come to an area like southern arizona i i you know, listen to people like Dustin who live down here and who go out herping a lot. And, you know, when's the best time to come? I'll listen to them and for that answer. So I'm, I'm you know, and, and once you've kind of been in their shoes or once you've lived down here or something, you might refine it from there yeah. and look for other areas or look for other conditions when you might find it out. Um, but like in a time like now, that that can be expensive so you want to maximize your time and base what you're doing on conventional herp wisdom because it usually has some some you know facts behind it yeah i i completely agree there i think you have to start somewhere and and the 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 shared experience of somebody who's been out there and found it and done it um is invaluable you know it's invaluable it's to you know you gotta, you gotta have, you gotta start somewhere. Right? Yeah, that's I, simple. I think we're following some conventional herp wisdom now, aren't we, uh, Dustin? I think so. Yeah, Dustin's been in this area a few times, and this is the spot where he oftentimes will find uh, some of our target species. So that would be really nice to find these because I haven't seen them in the wild yet. Although we did release one when we got here, so that was kind of cool. So hopefully, I'm not gonna say it out loud in case we don't find it. I don't want to jinx it. No chance. So, but. Um, you know, there, there is a reason there is Herper conventional wisdom. So, um, you know, when you and, rely and, on that. And, and a lot of it proves very true. Like, I mean, you know, but when we were talking to Bob and he was, you know, kind of giving us, uh, oh, try, you know, this spot, that spot. Um, 
you know, those those are spots are are known for yeah. a reason. That's a very reason. helpful to, yeah. to get intel from somebody who knows the area very well. Do you guys have anything to add? Yeah, I think um I think it's important to acknowledge that and have a place to build from. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're working off of field guides that take oh, totally. how much Water time. Oh, yeah, there's a Encilius. Oh, sorry, there's a Toad. You got to check it out. It's not just inside. All right, Toad stop completed. Let's see if we can find something else. Um, what were you saying? Uh, Steve? Yeah, I'll Steve. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was just saying, I was trying to make a point about, like, field guides. You know, like, we utilize field guides, and there's a lot of energy and effort that goes into a field guide, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there's maybe, in some cases, hundreds of people, right? Like, gathering photographs. The people that did the the sampling to figure out the range map, um, right? Like, there's a ton of stuff that goes into these books. And the people that write them typically are sampling from friends and colleagues and their traditional wisdom, their, um, their experience. Um, but at the same time, no, yeah, that's just a piece of uh, concrete or something. (laughs) Um, at the same time, um, science and biology and what we know about animals is always changing, Mm -hmm. um, especially reptiles and amphibians as we study them more and, um, we're able to study them in ways and different ways we learn more about them and we document new behaviors all the time um you know like i'm working with um a lizard species at at the zoo i work at and um, we documented a behavior in in the zoo uh, with this particular species that's heavily studied in the wild it's critically endangered and um and is very very well studied and documented and no one had ever documented this particular behavior until um, this year in the field, um, no one, and somebody so just cool. happened to catch photos of, of what we had seen, um, uh, on camera. Cause we have film, we have cameras filming a lot of the, um, interactions when we pair our, our lizards together. Um, this is on the blunt nose leopard lizard, but, um, it's this really neat, um, anti-copulatory behavior that females do to kind of roll out of, um, of, the, of an advancing male that's trying to grasp them to, to mate and when that female's unreceptive she'll kind of do a little flip and this has been documented in other critophytids but it's never been documented in blood-nosed leopard lizards so um, it's kind of neat to see something in the field you know um, kind of complementing things that we're seeing in, in the zoo and uh, I think though that it's 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 just an example of, of something that we're always learning new information and new things and so conventional wisdom is always changing and being updated um i think that the trick is and i guess for for chuck and i's side of it is to challenge conventional wisdom i, I think that we should be doing that continually that's what science is we go out we test test things and we we learn new things all the time and sometimes it's like you know, if, if there's a conventional wisdom in Southern Arizona is don't go out when there's a full moon. We just saw a whole bunch of toads. And then we also saw a Western diamondback crossing the road. Um, and that's, again, that's a well-known thing. Like don't go out during the full moon. You won't see anything, but, um, you know, I see stuff when there's a full moon when I'm out herping. So, um, and we just saw a bunch of stuff tonight. So that's, that's another one of those, um, examples that, 
you know, may or may not be, um, that one of those uh, examples of like a folklore type of thing where somebody had a bad experience one time and that they never went herping on a full moon again. And so, um, there's a lot of that, that stuff that that's conventional wisdom that gets passed down and is unnecessary and deprives us of stuff if we follow it, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think even very smart people can be subject to very unscientific, uh, uh, conclusions sometimes, uh, based on the, you know, we're all, we're all, uh, very, very dependent, uh, upon our own results and our own personal experiences. So I think that can lead us to biases. And I think what you said about b- being scientific in your approach to things, uh, really brings some validity to, because if you're going to challenge convention, you know, what, what is it, what, you know, what the things that went into uh, a field guide, you need to have some you need to have some substance to it. You can't just, uh, you know, have opinions that are contrary very arbitrarily, right? Yeah, I think that, you know, challenging conventional wisdom requires definitely experience and maybe the, the money or you know, yeah. the, the will to do it. Work, because, yeah. yeah, you have to put in some work to, to challenge that conventionalism because, um, you know, a lot of times to, to get a range extension takes a lot of effort to see, okay, is there a similar habitat close by? And, you know, especially with hard-to-detect species, I know that uh, a lot of my herper friends in Utah will will go out in different mountain ranges looking for tricolor snake, you know, either the milk snakes or the mountain king snakes. And a lot of them had had found, uh, you know, these tricolors in areas where you wouldn't anticipate them to be based on conventional wisdom. So, you know, there there can be some uh, benefit to that, but it's difficult. It's time consuming, and a lot of times, you know, that you you may not uh, prove that to be the case. You may not find them in that mountain range. Um, so that that can be. Uh, difficult to, to challenge in a lot of cases and, and does require a lot of work. So, and I, and I think, you know, when, when I think about, uh, see, I, I like to go to a, a lot of different places, especially like Australia to, to go herping. And, and if I'm going to, you know, fly all the way to Australia, I want to try to maximize my thing. So I'm going to listen to experts. I'm going to follow that conventional wisdom. And maybe I've already made that point, but I think that's a, that's yeah. a very strong uh, point for our side. But well, I um, think you need to start somewhere, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. And then, you know, exactly. people who have had success that, that, that is repeatable and, and, uh, continuous, uh, is, a, is probably the best place to start. Uh, and I think I think a lot of what I you know Steve and I are kind of talking about is is stuff that's follow on to uh, a, you know uh, a fundamental start to to uh, herping. I, I you know yeah, I and I I you know I think uh, it is it is maybe more fun to discover for yourself. You know to like I don't know when I when I did. Uh, plan my trips to Australia. I, I did talk to a lot of people, and I tried to get information or, or good places to start, best times of year to go over. And then I and then I planned out the trip, and we went over and and just put ourselves in the area. And we did find a lot of stuff. It was a really good and successful trip, and I was really happy. But you know, I talked to uh, uh, 
you know, a very experienced uh, field herper in Central Australia, and he's uh, Rex Nindorf. He runs the uh, Australian Reptile Park, and he's like, oh, yeah, you should have come in uh, December or January. The, I mean, the roads are just crawling with geckos, you know, so it's like um, that uh, all, all the advice I got was good advice, and we still found a lot of stuff, but, mm-hmm. you know, if, if, you know, I guess our goal was uh, mostly geckos, then January uh, would have been a maybe better time to come than October. Yeah. So, you know, you, you live and learn, but we did see quite a few gecko species, but, you know, we missed out on some of the, the really cool ones like Amy and stuff. So there's, you know, definitely a reason to go back and to go back at a different time. Um, St- uh, Steve and I went on a trip to Western Australia that, and, and we did uh, pretty much a very similar trip that my wife Heidi and I had done the previous year. And Heidi and I went in October and Steve and I went in November. Um, and so, you know, it was interesting to kind of compare and contrast a very similar trip with, you know, different results. In, in one area, I think uh, Heidi and my trip was was much more successful we saw a a broader diversity of species as well as higher numbers of species Um, when steve and i went we still saw a pretty good diversity but there there was only like one or two of each each species so it just wasn't as maybe hopping that night and and you know that could have been just a a night to night variability um we oh is there another another toad okay one sec all right, false alarm. <laughs> um, I got to, to mess with these guys. It was a rock, so I chucked it off, and they thought I was throwing a toad. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it Which can you vary. wouldn't do, by oh, the way. Yeah. Oh, the other, the other thing was, you know, the, the conventional wisdom is that uh, Fog Dam is like, it has the highest concentration of, of snakes in, in, you know, in the world, perhaps, or, or at least in Australia. And so, you know, you go to Fog Dam and you're going to see water pythons. That's kind of the conventional wisdom. So we went there um, on a trip in 2011. And uh, one night we went to Fog Dam and we saw nothing. <laughs> we saw maybe like a slaty gray or, or, a, or a keelback or something and a, and a few frogs. So we saw something, but like no water pythons. And then we went back the very next night. Um, conditions seemed pretty similar. Um, and we saw, you know, very many water pythons. We saw several. And so it, it was kind of true to form the, the second night versus the first night. So, and what um, is that? You know, is, yeah, that, is that something you missed? Is that just happenstance by chance? And that's that's what I mean. Is like you're, yeah. you know, you, it, 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 it may be random. It may be something you're missing. It may be you just don't know. So, But I would say law of averages, like if you go at that time of the year you're pr- and you go, you know, five or six times yeah. to Fog Dam, you're probably going to see a water python versus, you know, in the in the wrong season, yeah. it's going to be much harder to un- find them. Un- That's un- not argue. to say you won't find them in the, you know, the best times or the worst times. And you will find them in the best times. So I don't know if that makes sense, but... Oh, there's a little bunny rabbit. Um, <laughs> he did a little donkey kick right when the car was approaching him. That was cool. Um, anything to add there? Um, yeah, just get out. I mean, you're not going to yeah. find snakes sitting yeah. at home. You're not going to find anything sitting at home. Just, just get out. Try what you can. Do whatever you can. Try everything. I mean, the whole just eliminate variables like if you don't know something get out there early in the morning spend the whole day and 
just take notes on when you're seeing stuff and your herping will just get better and better from there yeah yeah, yeah for sure that's amazing advice yeah and that and i think uh that was another kind of big point in the shine book is they they did try to uh with with all the you know many many years of gathering data and having uh many different uh species that they were tracking in tropical northern australia um they tried to draw conclusions so they took all the weather information all the you know the finds and and uh record you know species that they found and recorded and they tried to figure out what conditions resulted in the best activity and they couldn't find anything that was significantly better than anything else and so um, there was really no conclusions to be drawn so I don't know if that says it's just just all luck and there isn't any conventional herper wisdom in, in that regard like there's no way to say if you go out when the temperature is this and the humidity is this you will find x you know so well that, i certainly don't think that they're saying that it's all crap and you know you should just walk off into the into the scrub and and you know start looking because you'll find something um i i definitely think you know there's there's you know certain natural history to be gleaned and certain things to be gleaned but that uh maybe uh taking a a a rigid approach to how you how you uh how you herp is is maybe detrimental yeah and and i guess i guess maybe the more specific point is that you know from my experience when we went one night and saw zero water pythons to the next night when we saw several water pythons there there was no perceivable difference in conditions i mean we were there during the right time of year the right season so following that conventional wisdom going back to fog dam was probably going to be good rather than bad um you know it's just kind of luck of the draw from there so same volume of sweet lady ddp um i don't even think i was drinking sweet lady ddp Mm. back then i hadn't discovered the choice of the sweet lady (laughs) so um (laughs) but you know uh, like dustin said put yourself out there you can probably draw broad conclusions, maybe not specific conclusions between, you know, one day to another during good seasons, but getting out more and more is just going to increase your chances. And, you know, there's, uh, like we've, we've discussed on the, what's that? We have a, there's a toad. Oh, another toad. Okay. Another toad stop. Okay. Another false alarm, but, <laughs> uh, is that a tarantula? Oh, something dark. I don't know. We saw a cool vinegaroon uh, yesterday. That was pretty sweet. Vinegaroon. And uh, they do smell like vinegar. They do smell like vinegar. Dustin found that out. He has a... Does it still... Do your hands smell smell like vinegar? No, they smell like schweeze. No. (laughs) He replaced the vinegar for the schweeze smell. Um, Steve had a point. Yeah, I was just trying to make a point about um, not... um, not being too um, focused on. Oh, there's a that's a toad. <laughs> Not being too focused on um, on all aspects of the can you know the conventional herping wisdom. I think we should follow some of those things, obviously, because they're based on people's positive experiences. Um, but at the same time, not just letting those rule. Um, your entire uh, herping trip. I, I think um, I, I 
I'm thinking about what we all talked about today. Like we've heard so many different ways of where to look and how to find oxybellas. And honestly, it's just a difficult snake to find. And (laughs) we were down there all day looking for oxybells for for a good chunk of the day and we didn't see anything. So um, I think that uh, everybody has their opinions and, you know, go out and form your own opinions, go out and figure out your own, um, your own ideas. And, um, you'll gain those through going out and experiencing success and everything is regional. Everything is going to be slightly different. Um, you know, where I herped up near, um, Phoenix on the outskirts of Phoenix is a little bit different than some of the areas that Dustin herps in. So it's, it, it varies a lot. And, um, honestly like you're not going to see anything if you're sitting at home like chuck was saying so um yeah just get out there and do stuff that's a uh, very well said that's uh, i think the main point of this just get out there and yeah. do it just do it you said you would yesterday and the just, thrill i mean the thrill of, of of getting out and finding things it's amazing I, it's fan you you're you're i i don't know it, it you know i guess with my kids and my kids want to sit at home and and my wife is is an introvert so she's not one to get out but to get out and and to have experiences with you know your your herping buddies and and get out in nature and and experience things and it's just you know do it i don't know what else to say no i think i think uh hopefully we contained a little bit of that because it is fun to get out and herp and and the excitement of is that something is that nothing you know is is that a rock or is that a toad or is that a snake you know um it's it's a lot of fun and you know uh i i i also like you know the thrill of discovery on your own finding things out for yourself exploring new places um can be be really rewarding so anything to add dustin I mean, you don't even need, like, herping friends. Just take... I wrangle my non-herping friends to go out all the time, and they still have fun. Especially when you see a cool snake. Like, they get all excited just as much as I do. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great that's a point. point. I mean, getting getting others excited about it, and so they're thinking less negatively about reptiles and kind of seeing that excitement and fun. I mean, you know, there's a reason, I guess, Pokemon and things like that are exciting because they, they want to try to find everything and collect them all, so... I guess you can apply that here too, <laughs> except the collection part. Yeah. Unless you're a dirty, dirty collector. <laughs> Sorry, inside joke. Um, all right. Well, I guess we'll we'll end it here. Uh, we just wanted to throw something on. Yeah. 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 It's good. It's always it's always hard to to bottle that, but um, yeah. Hopefully, you enjoyed listening. Um, where can the folks find you too? Dustin, where are you at? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at gecko.sphere. Um, just message me if you want to talk reptiles or herping or anything. Cool. Steve? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not on in Instagram a ton or Facebook a ton, but those are both places you can get in touch with me. But uh, my Instagram is uh, at mindfulherp, um, and then just Steve Sharp on Facebook um, if you're interested in um some aspects of zookeeping and just reptile photos that's kind of what i post about from time to time but again not super active on social media so be patient if you send them a message that's right <laughs> um i'm on instagram uh, jg julander uh check me out um also facebook justin julander australian addiction reptiles as well um good times chuck 
Uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram at Chuck Norris Wins, and you can find me under uh, Chuck Poland on Facebook. So, all right. Well, thanks for listening to Reptile Fight Club from the field from Southern Arizona. We'll catch you next week for another episode. Swing. Don't you mean schweeze? <laughs>